Good day, everyone. I said good day because, as you know, this is being recorded. This is being recorded on April the 11th, 2020, because of uh, COVID precautions. I am uh, at the chapel, and there are a few people here to hear, all pun intended, but I look out at the Northern Hills Bible Chapel, and I can imagine where so-and-so sits, and so-and-so usually sits, and so-and-so usually sits, and so-and-so sits in the back. And um, I imagine you there. I'm here. And uh, speaking uh, on behalf of the other elders, I believe it's not a stretch to say we can't wait to be back together in this chapel. And so I'm going to imagine you here. I'm going to try to do that. So in a sense, this is sort of a semi-real family Bible hour. It is a family Bible hour, so we have an hour. The recording may be about an hour, depending what's going on. I um, have a song I want to have you listen to, to uh, get you in the, uh, I might say, the uh, spirit of Resurrection Day. Uh, This is Saturday, as I said before. So Saturday would be the day uh, that the Lord Jesus would be alone in the grave where he laid uh, on the Sabbath day. Not much was happening, you might say. He was resting, even though his body might be in the grave, the way I understand it, what he said to the one thief on the cross today. That would be the day that he was crucified. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. So even though his body was in the grave, he was somehow, that we maybe don't understand too much, in paradise. Soon to be resurrected, and that would be, my present tomorrow or resurrection day. So I'd like you to hear a song and then I'll be back with some scripture readings and the teaching.
that song was a, a blessing to you. Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 and verses uh, 1 through 4. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. I'm reading out of the uh, New King James Version. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I hope you picked up there that there was God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son being, let there be light. One way you can maybe read into it. So now turn to John chapter 1. I'm going to read the first five verses. If you would like to have a very good explanation and teaching on the first, I think it's 18 verses on John chapter 1, I refer you to the recent Sunday School series that our brother Mike Merritt did on these verses. But I'm going to read only John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. Now, we know that the Word became flesh, and we know that the Word is speaking of the Lord Jesus. So I'm going to insert the Lord Jesus' name here for emphasis and just for us to remember. In the beginning was the Word, or, or Jesus, and the Word, or Jesus, was with God, and the Word, that is Jesus, was God. He, that being Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, that be Jesus, and without him, that be Jesus, nothing was made that was made. And in him, that be Jesus, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or overcome it. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. I'd like to submit to you this morning, I'd like to suggest to you today that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus in some ways was incredible. In some ways of thinking is incredible. But the more that you begin to think of it biblically, not so much. I'd like to submit to you today that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus had to happen. It was impossible that it could not happen. Another way of saying that is that it was not possible that he would stay in the grave. And I hope to have you understand by the time we're over and with the verses and the teaching I will go over today, that you'll understand why I'm putting this uh, emphasis on it. If you need titles today, uh, I have two of many, but two. The first title would be, Incredible, or Is It? Or the second title would be, There Should Have Been No Doubt. By the way, I hope to have a handout sent to you by email and uh, tonight, Lord willing, will be sent out ready for your use uh, tomorrow. That would be Resurrection Day. And in that handout, if there's room so we don't waste paper, uh, I'll have the 
honorable mentions of other titles that uh, could have been used. So you might refer to your uh, handout with uh, all the verses that I'm going to refer to. I even recommend, uh, if you'd like, to take the verses that I'm going to, to read and press the pause button and uh, listen to uh, someone read these verses in your presence or read them to yourself in your mind and uh, then turn the pause button off and listen to me read the verses or skip forward and just um, uh, read uh, the, the verses in your own version that you like to use. I'll be using the New King James Version. I may say that one more time just by way of reminder if you'd like to do that uh, wherever you're listening to this uh, uh, recording. At this point, uh, I would normally in a family Bible hour uh, be praying, and we would be praying together. Uh, since you're not here and I'm only here, I've already prayed before I came up and was, took the uh, podium that the Lord would help me and that the Lord would help my listeners, wherever you are, to understand the scriptures in a way that you might not have before, but also appreciate the Lord Jesus better and see him better and want to trust him more. That was my prayer that um, I I prayed before I uh, took to the uh, pulpit. So now uh, I'd like to refer to more scriptures, and that would be in Psalm 16. So turn, if you will, in your Bibles to Psalm 16. And uh, Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. This is a psalm. If you see a little subtitle under it in your Bible, it says a a mictum of David. Now, I believe that there's only six mictums of David. There are many psalms of David. And if you want to look for the other six, you'd look about 40 chapters more uh, for, uh, on into the book of Psalms and might find more mictums of David. We don't know for sure what the term means, but it's something special. And it might mean that there's something golden, something of high precious value to David because of what he's saying, but also maybe because of who he's going to be referring to that makes it golden. You might say, might say it makes it royal. But... In Psalm 16, we'll pick up David's psalm in verse 8. Psalm 16, verse 8. I have set Yahweh always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad. Remember that word uh, in, in about a half hour about my heart is glad. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol or the abode for the dead, nor will you let your Holy One see or undergo corruption. You will show me the path of life and in your presence... Remember that concept. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here we read what King David made a habit of, you might say. He set Yahweh always before him. Now this makes him like the Lord Jesus, the son of David. This is why David gets lost or he becomes an example of the Lord Jesus, always setting his God before him. He kept him 
in his view. You might say he kept it right in front of him. Yahweh was preeminent in his world of view. The ever-living one, the ever-present one. And because he did this, he was secure and he was glad. He had good reason for a hope. He knew that Yahweh would not leave him, not even in the grave. He may have to wait a while to become up out of the grave, but he would not leave him there. David went on to say something that's striking and puzzling and interesting, but Yahweh would not allow his holy one to undergo decay. Who is this holy one? I think if you wait just a little bit longer, I could present a case that who it is. You may have already know who it is. But hold on, and we will investigate that a little bit further, and that who is this holy one. King David knew, though, that Yahweh would show him the path of life. And Yahweh's presence, therefore, would be maintained as he lived. There is, and there is the place of fullness of joy forevermore. Now, with those thoughts, I'd like you to turn to another psalm, Psalm 132. Psalm 132. And if you like, you can push your pause button, read it yourself, and then come back. This is Psalm 132 and verses 10 through 18. It says underneath, the, it says a subtitle, a song of ascent. Notice it says at the very beginning, Yahweh remember David and all his afflictions. I'm assuming this is David's son, King Solomon, who was at the time of the temple, that dedication that David wanted to build. David, Solomon, King Solomon is remembering his father, King David. So that's the setting, I believe. Let's, let's read verses 10 through 18. This is Psalm 132, verses 10 through 18. Solomon continues, For your servant David's sake, do not turn away the face of your anointed or your Messiah. Yahweh has sworn in truth to David. He will not turn from it. I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I shall teach them, their sons also shall sit upon your throne forevermore. For Yahweh has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will clothe her priest with salvation. And her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There I will make the horn or the government. There I'll make the government or the horn of David grow. And I will prepare a lamp for my anointed or my Messiah. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon himself his crown shall flourish. So King Solomon is remembering King David. King David was a shepherd. He was also a, uh, a servant. He was Yahweh's servant, verse 10. King Saul asked God, King Solomon asked God to keep his eye on his anointed one. I get that from verse 10 when he asked, for your, David, for your servant's David's sake, 
Do not turn away the face of your anointed. King Solomon when David remembered, he spoke of how Yahweh had sworn in truth to his father, how he had promised a son to sit upon his throne. Verse 17 says, my anointed. Verse 18 says, his crown will flourish. I'd like us to uh, read something that, hap- uh, something that occurred maybe 2,000 years later in the same city, very near Uh, where King Solomon was at that time by looking at something that happened in Acts chapter 2. So turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. I'd like to read to you some things that happened on the day of Pentecost. The Lord Jesus had been resurrected and he had ascended uh, into heaven. And then the Holy Spirit... uh, uh, Jesus was true to his word and sent the Holy Spirit. And there was a multitude that was amazed when they heard uh, certain things. And verse eight talks, verse six talks about a multitude came together and were confused. And they, they didn't understand for sure what was happening. And uh, David fills them in on what's going on. This is Acts chapter two and verse 22. And we're going to read from 22 to 32. If you haven't uh, caught on by now, uh, today's Family Bible Hour will be a lot of just that, Bible. Uh, there will be a lot of Bible reading. And I may read it with some expression and some like a narrative, or I may just read it very plainly. But I believe that there's power in the Word of God. And if you will listen and be open, let the Spirit teach you the things from the Word of God, from your exposure to it. This is the Apostle Peter uh, talking to the multitude. And he, we're going we're gonna, to uh, start halfway through it. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 22, and we'll be through 32. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man, as tested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him, that be the Lord Jesus, verse 23, him being delivered by the predetermined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, and this is from that first psalm that we read, Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11, David says concerning him, that be the anointed one, that being the Lord Jesus, the son of David. David says concerning him, I foresaw Yahweh always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your holy ones to see Corruption or decay. Verse 28. You have made known to me the ways of life, and you make me full of joy in your presence. David goes on to explain then in verse 29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried. And his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet... 
and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that's David, that the fruit of his body, David, according to the flesh, he, that being God, would raise up the Messiah to sit on his throne, David's throne. Verse 31, foreseeing this, the prophet David spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah, that his soul, the Messiah's soul, was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh, the Messiah's flesh, see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Let's make a little bit more of verse 33. Therefore, being exalted at the right hand of God. The Apostle Peter reminds his hearers that King David is dead and buried and decayed. But he also reminds them, if they didn't realize it, that he was a prophet. A king prophet, you might say. And he knew the promise, the oath of his God. God had said to him, a descendant, someone from his family line, you might say somehow, try not to figure out the biology of it, but somehow, that some same DNA or something like that, the promised Messiah would sit on his throne, on David's throne. David, the king prophet, heard it from God, and he spoke of it. And he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, also known as the son of David. His dead body would not undergo decay. And he, that's David's God, did just that. And the people saw the Messiah resurrected from the dead after his body had been raised from the dead. And many saw him ascend into heaven to be exalted at the right hand of God the Father, King David's son on a throne, that throne being the throne of God. And the earthly throne of King David is still to come. I'd like to take a quick look just to emphasize what, how God works, you might say. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to come back to the book of Acts. You can keep your finger there, but uh, I'd like to turn to Hebrews chapter 6 just to emphasize something. Hebrews chapter 6, and we'll read verses 13 through 20. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. The writer of the book of Hebrews is trying to explain emphasize what kind of God they have. He's a covenant-keeping God. We read it for ourselves. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, who could he swear by? There's no one greater. Because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so, After he had patiently endured, that being Abraham, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them the end of all dispute. Thus God determined to show the more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it with an oath, that by two immutable things— in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, 
which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered, even for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, a king priest. Melchizedek, be good to spend some time more on that, but I'd like you to just understand that God keeps his promises. God keeps his oaths. God's character, God's character made the resurrection of Jesus inevitable. God's servants, like Abraham and David, died in hope. They knew that God would deliver on his promises. Back to Acts, and this time Acts chapter 13. So back to Acts, Acts chapter 13. Acts 13, verses 26 through 37. Here we see another another apostle, that being the apostle whose name was previously Saul. And we know some about his background. But uh, let's just say a couple of years, let's say many years later than the time that Peter preached his sermon. The Apostle Paul was on his first missionary journey. He he had come to Antioch in Pisidia. And he was uh, in a uh, synagogue. And the uh, synagogue leaders asked him, hey, uh, you you have anything to say? Go ahead and and let's say it. So uh, this is the things that uh, Paul said in Acts chapter 13, verses 26 through 37. Men and brethren... Sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, Messiah, or even the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. And when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, the Messiah, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. Verse 31. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled for us their children in that he was raised, he has raised up Jesus. As it is written also in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, and this would be the psalm that we read at the beginning. You will not allow your holy one to see corruption. For David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But he, that be the Messiah, whom God raised up, saw no corruption. Do you notice what the Apostle Paul did here? 
he preached that the scriptures had to be fulfilled. He taught that they, the scriptures, God's word, remember God said, let there be light and there was light. God's word had spoken of the Lord Jesus crucified and buried and his body would not see or stay long enough in the tomb to undergo decay. God, true to his word, raised it up. He gave it life. The Lord Jesus had to be carried into the tomb by two men, but he walked out of that same tomb under his own power, or we might say under the power of God, the power of God, his father. That was God's plan, what he said he would do, and that's what he did. We should not go too much further uh, from this uh, verse, just verses until we look at also verses 38 and 39. I'll, I'll read it and you can follow along. Therefore, let me, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So Paul went on to say, through this man, that being the man, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, is preached to you forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. Do you need forgiveness? Do you know that you're a sinner? Then go to the ever-living one. Go to the one who has died on the cross and go to the one that is now alive and believe in him to have paid on that cross the penalty for your sin. And get justified before God. Get declared righteous before God. Jesus is, Paul went on to say in Romans chapter 4, Jesus was delivered up because of our sins. But he was raised up because of our justification. He was raised up because of our being declared righteous. A righteousness that is not your own. It's righteousness is given, imputed to you through faith. And Jesus, the man, the man that went to the cross, the man that God raised up, the Messiah. I'm trying to find it and just read it to you again. Through this man is preached uh, to you forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things that he could not be justified by the law of Moses. If if you need forgiveness of sins, may the Lord grant you um, repentance and, and life so that you can believe upon him. Go to him. Go to the Lord Jesus and be saved. Now, I'd like to go uh, to some more verses in uh, the same book, Acts 26. Same apostle, though, Acts 26. A much different setting. Some people uh, call uh, where the apostle Paul is now uh, the uh, fourth missionary journey. I, I, sometimes I have a hard time saying that because, uh, well, he's on his way to Rome. And uh, he was, this is Acts chapter 26, he was uh, in a Roman jail being held in custody. And uh, he was uh, under the uh, watch of Festus, the governor. And uh, there was a king, King Agrippa, King Agrippa II, I believe, 
that uh, came to visit Festus. Anyway, he would be the great grandson, to my understanding, of the Herod the Great. And this is what the Apostle Paul had to, uh, to say when he was given the opportunity to defend uh, himself, you might say, uh, uh, what had happened and what he, he, he thought about uh, why uh, uh, he uh, really had done nothing wrong. Uh, this is Acts chapter 26 and verse 6, and we'll read all the way to 25. I might give a little comment along the side, definitely, at the end. This is uh, Paul speaking, and he's speaking to Agrippa, but also uh, Festus is uh, in the room and among other people. And now I stand, that'd be Paul, now I stand and I am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise... Our twelve tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I thought I myself must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. Being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While this occupied, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission from the chief priests. This is verse 13. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven. God said, let there be light. I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Verse 16, But arise and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen, remember that, the things which you have seen, and the things which... I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Verse 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witnessing to small and great, saying no other things than those things which the prophets and Moses said would come. 
that the Messiah should suffer and that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, as he, that be Paul, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Verse 25, Paul replied, he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. Paul explains that he was on trial because of the hope of the promise that God had made. And the Jews, the Jewish leaders, wanted him dead because he believed those promises. He believed the promises that God had made. God would raise up the Messiah from the dead. And he asked the king Agrippa directly, why do you think it's incredible that God raises the dead and raises him to life? He witnessed to King Agrippa. He told them the truth about Jesus and told him the one who died on the cross, I saw him. He appeared to me. And then he sent me to the Gentiles like you, Agrippa, and like you, Festus, that you might see the light, his light, like I did. And that you can be forgiven like I was forgiven of my sins and received from God a free gift and received through faith in the risen, crucified Son of God. We don't know for sure what happened to Agrippa or Festus, but they sure had a good testimony of what, how God works and offers forgiveness to anyone who will come to the Lord Jesus for salvation. Now, I'd like to turn to some verses. And we talked a lot about the resurrection. I'd like to turn to some verses that happened on the resurrection day, the first resurrection day, if you will. So turn now to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. There are three groups of verses I would like us to read. The first group of verses would be John chapter 20, verses 4 through 9. So I will read those. Now, this has happened on the first resurrection day. The women had went to the tomb to do their anointing, and they didn't find the body. They went back and told uh, the disciples, and the disciples said, well, let's check this out. So they ran to the tomb. And this is the setting of John chapter 20, verses 4 through 9. So they, that being John and Peter, so they both ran together. And the other out disciple, that be John, outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, John stooping in, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Solomon came, and then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief or the face cloth that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, that be John, who came to the tomb first, when also, and I'm going to slow down here and read just for emphasis, and he saw and believed. Verse 9. For as yet they did not know or understand the scripture that he, the Messiah, must rise again from the dead. And the disciples went away again to their homes. 
the resurrection was even incredible to the 11 men and the Lord Jesus worked with closely, taught them. For three years, they did not understand, says they did not understand the scriptures. They must not have understood for some reason. Lord Jesus said at least three times, guys, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be delivered to the, by the chief priests. I'm going to be put on a Roman cross. I'm going to be put in the tomb. I'm going to die, and I'm going to raise again on the third day. They didn't seem to understand it all, or much, really. Especially the part the Lord Jesus must, be, must rise from the dead. They did not understand that part. Turn I mean, now, look at verses 19 and 20. John, John 20, 19 and 20. Then the same day, so that same day that they had run to the tomb and saw the empty tomb. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Then he's, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I want to stop here and say, do you remember what David, uh, where his gladness came in the presence of the Lord? I also want to stop and say before I forget to say, I think we need this kind of vision. We need John twenty twenty vision. See the Lord. Look at him. Keep your eyes upon him. See his wounded hands, see his side. And when you see him, keep that in your view, and that's where you'll be glad. You'll be glad. Sorrow will cease when you see the Lord more clearly like that. We need John twenty twenty vision, like David had in Psalm 16. Now, I'd like to read verses 24 through 29. Now, Thomas called one of the, called the twin one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came, that time that we just read about. And the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. And he, and he said to them, he, But he said, Thomas said to them, Unless I see his hands. I'm going to say that one more time. Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Really? And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, like he said before, peace to you. Then he said to, not to them, he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. I don't know where he put it. But he said, look. Are your eyes open, Thomas? Look. In my hands, reach at your hand here. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered to him, saying, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed.
So we don't know for sure why Thomas wasn't there at that first mention, but the disciples told him what they saw, or really who they saw. The Apostle Thomas replied that we saw it read. He had, he had to see, he must see for himself. If not, he would not believe. Eight days later, he got his opportunity. The Lord Jesus said to him, look. The Lord Jesus then commanded him, do not be unbelieving, but believing. Dear believer, dear disciple of Christ, dear saint of God, do you need to hear this command today? Look to me. Jesus says, look to me. Don't be unbelieving. Be believing. The Apostle Thomas said to him after he saw him, my Lord and my God. And a good response should be our response too, the way we see him more clearly. And the Lord Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. And then he went on to add this. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believed Blessed are those believers. Blessed are those, dear saints, today. That's us. That's us. The Lord Jesus says, we're blessed. By God's grace, our eyes are blessed. By God's grace, our mind has been blessed. Our mind has been opened. Our heart has been opened. And we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are those, us, today. We haven't seen. We haven't seen the risen Lord Jesus but we have the testimony of those that did, eyewitnesses, and yet believed. We're blessed. God's grace has been good to us in that way. Among other ways, that's the most important way. I'd like you to take you a little bit backwards in the book of John to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. Now, this is... uh, at the funeral, so to speak, of a friend of Jesus. Uh, That friend's name would be Lazarus. And there he is at the tomb, speaking of tombs, there he is at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And Lazarus' sister is there. This one I'm talking about is Martha. And I I want us to remember what the Lord Jesus said to Martha there at the tomb. So John chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus said to her, to be Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now Jesus was always saying some wonderful words and surprising words, marvelous words, a lot of times about himself. I'm saying he said about other people, but somebody what he said about himself. He revealed himself. He said to her, I am. In the beginning was the word. I am. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me puts their faith in me and nowhere else and no one else, though he may die like David did, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He said to Martha. And I say to you, if you're listening to me and you've never considered 
the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Do you believe this? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? And do you know all that you have in him and all the hope that we have in him? Because he lives, we will live also. But now Jesus is raised from the dead. So there they were at the grave site. If you could look at my notes, I, I have the grave site, S-I-T-E, but I also have grave site. What a site would be there. The author of life, in him was life, by his friend's tomb. He's by the grave site of Lazarus. And the Lord Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha replied, I know he'll rise again in the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. Do you believe this? He asked Martha. And Martha replied, yes, I believe that you are the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the son of God. Now, Jesus went on, most of us know, if you can read it for yourself. Jesus went on to command her brother to come out of the grave. And he came out. He came out with the grave clothes on, but he came out. You talk about visual aids. <laughs> what a teacher of the Lord Jesus said, and what visual aids he used about being the resurrection and the life. As far as visual aids, the Lord's the best. Now, by way of conclusion, our time is almost up. By way of conclusion, I hope I have convinced you that when God the Father raised God the Son, his dead body to life, he had to. It had to happen because of what he had said, what he had said through his prophets all through the time leading up to the Lord Jesus, through his prophets. Even the prophet David said it, but there were many other prophets. And not only because of what God had said through his prophets, also what the prophet Jesus had said about himself. He said three times, or I think many times, he said to his, those disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be killed on a cross, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again. What kind of person would say that to men if it wasn't going to happen? It had to happen. And that was then. What about now? What about now in the days that we live? And now, what shall we say? Let's turn to the Apostle Paul to get the answer to this. And now. And now, so what? So what's for us now? Turn to Romans chapter 8. The Apostle Paul is going to answer the now. And I'm going to inject some words uh, for emphasis here in closing. These are, uh, I hope to close uh, soon. This is Romans chapter 8 and verse 27, and we're going to read 27 through 39. Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 8, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 27. And he, that being, I think, God the Father, who searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he, that be the Holy Spirit, 
makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's now. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. Verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good, that be now, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, and he's calling today. Whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. What happened to sanctification? Sanctification is happening now, but as good as done. He justified, these he also glorified. What shall we say to to these things now? If God is for us, who can be against us today? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not with him also freely give us all things, the things that we need today? For who will be in a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is the Messiah who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of the Father, who also makes intercession for us today, now, when we need it. Who shall separate us from the love of the Messiah today? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? Last Sunday we prayed for our persecuted brothers and sisters, some of them in different parts of the world. Going on even today, we need to continue to pray for them. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as is written, for your sake all day long we are killed and we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. It in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors today. For I am persuaded, verse 38, for I am persuaded, Paul would say, that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities or powers, nor things present, that be today, nor things to come, that be tomorrow, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us any time, today or to come, from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, to end, I'd like to uh, have two benedictions, if you will. Special day, two benedictions, and we're going to borrow them and use them from Scripture. It's from the same book, Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, verse 25 through 27. We're going to call this the first benediction or the beginning benediction, or you can come up with your own words, but notice what it says. This is Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. Now, now, to him who is able to establish you, that's today, that's now, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures and made known to all nations, being done now, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone, wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Do I hear an amen? I, I think I hear it. I think I hear it. I, th- I hope you said amen to that, my listeners. So now... Now, is it, now that, since the time is today, the time is now, use your time wisely. Read the scriptures. 
Don't be ignorant, brethren. Uh, Read the scriptures prayerfully. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand them. See the Lord Jesus more clearly through them. Remember John 2020 vision. If you had to go back, see his wounded hands, see his wounded side, see his look of love on you, and say, my Lord and my God, be glad in him, look to him, trust him now, obey him now. There is no other way to be for the Lord Jesus, no other way to live for the Lord Jesus, no other way to be called upon to die for him, or at least to die in faith, looking to him. I promise you one more benediction, and uh, that would be found in, in Hebrews, the book that we were in. So turn to Hebrews, the very last chapter. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse uh, 20 through 21. Now, the writer says, now, may the God of peace, remember Jesus said peace to those frightened believers, those scared believers, peace, look at me. Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work, to do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus the Messiah, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, saints, after I'm done here and tomorrow I'll be praying for those who will listen to these words and that you'll be able to put them into practice and apply them to your hearts and see the Lord Jesus and want to uh, please him and live in the light of his resurrection. The Lord bless you. Stop this door.